Greetings, and welcome to the Pampering Myself Podcast, an advocacy for self-care. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and most importantly, we'll learn that you can't pour from an empty cup. You'll hear stories, interviews, and conversations which will empower you in living your best life. Good morning, ladies, and welcome to another episode of Pampering Myself. I thought I would start a series titled, Knowledge is Power. After the last episode, I thought it would be nice to share some of the importance of vitamins and minerals. Now, I know what you might be thinking, how boring. But please, hang in with me for just a minute because it's really important. So today's episode will be about the essential minerals. If nothing else, COVID-19 has taught us a lot about who and how and what we rely on. And we've come accustomed to certain services, uh, basically to survive without even thinking about it. And in the world today, they are referred to as essentials. Now, the dictionary defines essential as something that is absolutely necessary and indispensable. And until COVID-19, we may not have looked at them as essential. Not that they weren't already. Now, when it comes to our body, there are essentials to our health, whether we know it or not, or even think about it, because things just naturally happen such as breathing. We don't think about breathing as essential, but it's definitely essential to life. And the absence of certain essentials could literally mean the difference between life and death. And although we often focus on pampering ourselves from the outside, I would like for you to consider a different perspective from the inside. So for the next two episodes, I like to change it up a bit and talk about pampering ourselves on the inside. Now, part of an annual checkup is blood work. And the purpose of the blood work is to make sure that our bodies are functioning at their best. And if we ignore those annual checkups or don't think they're important, we could be missing potential warning signs. Let me use my car as an example. Cars require regular maintenance. There's a time to change the oil, to top off the fluids, to rotate your tires, and to put gas in the tank. And if you don't, there are consequences. Now, I rely on my car to get back and forth to work every day. That's how I earn my living. I rely on it to do certain things, and so I take very good care of my cars. And we have to do the same thing for our bodies. So it's important to get annual exams. Think of the annual exams as preventive medicine. Don't be one of those people that think you should go only to the doctor when something is wrong. Because by then, it might be too late. But what I want to say up front, this episode is not about putting blame on the medical providers but more about us as patients taking some responsibility for our own health. So my advice would be to always ask for a copy of your lab results or x-ray results or any other tests really that involve numbers. Not only do you want to have that information available to you, but it is your right. 
After all, you are the best person to monitor your own health. Now, I shared with you in the last episode that last year I had pain in my right leg. And and basically, it was excruciating pain. And I was first diagnosed with sciatica, which is pressure on the sciatica nerve running down the back of the leg from the uh, lower back. And when I did my research on that diagnosis, the pain that I was experiencing didn't really seem to match. In other words, although I had confidence in my doctor, I wasn't quite sure that that was the right diagnosis. But in her defense, basically, she was going by what I said, although there was no test to confirm it. And that's what she did. That's what doctors do. They diagnose you based on the information that they're provided. And her solution was medication. Now, since at that time that I was seeing her, I wasn't in any pain, I told her that I would hold off on the medication because I didn't want to add an additional medication to my already regimen. So a couple of weeks later, that pain returned. And of course, it would be a few days before I would get to see her to make sh- so that I could get something for the relief. I had been taking... Um, ibuprofen 800 and my body had gotten accustomed to that so it really wasn't working anymore so it was kind of difficult to sleep at night basically impossible and I would lay there watching television um, in hopes of it distracting me so on this particular night I happened upon this channel where some health professionals were talking about uh, various medical conditions It wasn't something I was really watching, but the TV was on and I was basically looking at it. And it caught my attention, though, when they started talking about low potassium. And at that point, it reminded me that on my last annual blood work, my doctor told me my potassium was low. And so she basically gave me a list of foods to eat, which would increase the levels. Uh, Of course, I took that piece of paper and put it to the side. Now, I was already on potassium pills, so there was nothing else for her to really give me. But your potassium is generally stripped, especially if you take a diuretic. And yes, I take a diuretic, which means that I have to work twice as hard on getting that potassium level up. So other than my medical providing suggesting that I increase my potassium by eating the items on that food list. Really, the rest was up to me. But in all honesty, I didn't take her directives seriously. So that night, after seeing what they suggested on the television about things that could cause low potassium and potential risks of low potassium, I grabbed my cell phone and I Googled low potassium. And what do you know? Long story short, I realized that I did not have sciatica after all. So the next morning, I pulled my lab results out. And yes, they were very low. I called the doctor that Wednesday and told her what I had discovered. Now, prior to having my blood drawn for a second time, after realizing that certain items was on this food list, and that it was basically impossible for me to consume um, all those vegetables and fruits because I'm not a vegetable and fruit eat raw or cook kind of person, I decided to put it in a smoothie. 
So I prepared smoothies for the next three days that contain spinach, ginger, frozen fruit, bananas, and coconut water. And I drink that mixture for three days straight. And at the end of the third day, that pain disappeared as if it was magic. Now, when I went and got the blood work done for the second time, it showed that my potassium levels were low. But I can only imagine what they must have been before I started drinking those smoothies. So what was missing in my diet? At a minimum, potassium. Because I don't eat fruits or vegetables on a regular basis. And I certainly don't get in that daily requirement. I guess those daily requirements are very important. So today, i like to share some vital information about the three most important minerals that your body needs daily. And what can happen if you don't take them in. Now, according to the Natural Remedies Encyclopedia, authored by Vance Farrell and Dr. Scherner, there are at least 18 essential minerals in human nutrition. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to focus on three electrolytes. You know how you see on those lab slips, electrolytes? I look at my lab slips. Sometimes I'll pull it up to see what it means, and sometimes I won't. Well, the three are potassium, sodium, and chloride. Now, they are very closely related with potassium being the most important. As a matter of fact, potassium can be found in all vegetables, especially green leafy vegetables and other sources such as bananas and, get this, the peelings of a white potato. Well, I'm not going to put a white potato in my smoothie, and I'm certainly under no conditions am I going to eat the peel. So I'll pass on that. But as far as the green vegetables and the bananas... A smoothie a day keeps the doctor away. So here's a fact. There's more potassium in the body cells than any other mineral and body requires that large amount. Potassium also helps maintain proper acid alkaline balance in the blood and the tissues and it prevents overacidity. In other words, potassium is essential. Essential for muscle contraction, hormone secretion, and it helps the kidney detoxify the blood. Now, this may not seem um, much to you uh, interesting or do you even care, but it is very important because the lack of a potassium can cause a whole lot of health issues. Here's some more facts. Lack of potassium can cause sodium to build up in the body causing high blood pressure, edema, heart failure, constipation, extreme fatigue, muscular weakness, low blood sugar, and nervous disorders. Now think about that for a minute. That sounds pretty serious to me. And I can name at least three or four of these that I can eliminate just by increasing my potassium. So as someone with high blood pressure, To think all those years while I was trying to avoid excessive salt, my body was producing it. I say excess because in reality, our body really needs sodium. 
As a matter of fact, according to my research, potassium and sodium has to be kept in balance or you're subject to the conditions mentioned above and cancers. So this was an eye opener for me. Restricting salt doesn't necessarily lower blood pressure. Your potassium intake has to greatly improve. So what's the answer? Simple. Fruits and vegetables. Now we know processed foods offer very low benefits when it comes to potassium, but a whole lot of sodium. And another fact to keep in mind, if you have kidney disease, you'll need to restrict your potassium intake. So that brings me to the matter of this podcast. I am not a professional and I'm not giving medical advice. This is just some of the research that I have found and think that it's important for us to watch and monitor not only our lab results, but know what they mean. And we can avoid some of these medical conditions or some of the things that are affecting our body. Sodium certainly has a bad rap, yet one of the essential minerals in our body is required is sodium. But in a very small amount. And that's the problem. According to the American Heart Association, the average American takes in more than 3,400 milligrams of sodium daily. Let me repeat that. The average American takes in 34 milligrams of sodium daily, but their recommendation is only 2,300 daily. Now, that's a recommendation. The ideal amount is only 1,500. So they're saying most Americans take in more than twice the ideal amount of sodium. But how can you avoid it? Because everything we eat contains salt. Some foods have more than others. And processed foods contain a whole lot of sodium. So when you add salt from the salt shaker, think about what you're doing. It may add flavor, but at a cost to your health. And I think of these cooking shows who say, oh, just add a dash of salt. Add a dash of salt for flavor. Well, without sharing the product name, here's an example of the amount of sodium in processed food. The item I'm referring to is a snack, so it's considered just a snack, not a meal. And in this snack, a single serving contains 490 milligrams of sodium. Again, that's just a snack. So when you're in, uh, think about your complete amount that is due for the day, when it talks about 1,500 being ideal, 490 milligrams, you've already consumed almost one-third, according to the American Heart Association. So let me share a few items that are, according to Healthline, that are high in sodium. My favorite, shrimp. And I could eat shrimp two or three times a day, but once I got this information, I backed off of it. A three-ounce non-breaded serving of shrimp contains 800 milligrams of sodium. Again, almost half of the ideal requirement. Soup. 
Soup on an average contains 700 milligrams. Now here, this one hurt my feeling because I had just made some banana pudding. Instant pudding, a half a cup serving of just instant pudding. Forget the milk, forget all the other ingredients that I put in it. If you just made a, ate a half a cup of instant pudding, it contains as much as 350 milligrams. Cottage cheese, which is another item that I consider to be of health benefit. A half a cup averages 350 milligrams. And of course, salad dressings. Looking at major brands sold in the U.S., salad dressings average 304 milligrams per two tablespoons. However, there are lower options. But who puts two tablespoons on a salad? Which means you can blow your entire amount of sodium just on a salad. That makes a salad not healthy. And finally, pizza. Oh my goodness, a large slice of store-bought or frozen pizza is 765 milligrams of sodium. Now, a restaurant prepared in the same size slice can average 957 milligrams of sodium. No wonder we are all obese and have so many health issues. We are literally killing our insides. So you get the picture. We eat way too much sodium. And during my research, I was stunned. But rare as it is, there are people who may have a sodium deficiency. And this could be caused by excessive sweating, chronic diarrhea, or overuse of diuretics. So when there's a deficiency, it could cause heat exhaustion, nausea, or even respiratory failure. So on the other hand, too much sodium can cause water retention, high blood pressure, stomach ulcers, cancer, hardening of the arteries, and heart disease. So the bottom line, sodium is important. And without going into the medical language that I truly don't understand, sodium is essential to our health and when it's within range. Now, for the third essential mineral, that's chlorine. Now, I have to admit, I'm learning with you all that chlorine comes from foods such as kept, and that, that's a seaweed and rye flour and ripe olives and tomatoes and cabbage, kale, celery, turnips, cucumbers, asparagus, oats, pineapples, and avocado. So I'm learning now when people say certain foods are good for you, now I see why they're good for you because it's chloride. So in a nutshell, chlorine is mainly responsible for the production of hydraulic acid, and that's the stomach acid. And without that acid, minerals can't be properly absorbed and proteins can't be digested. So chlorine is also involved with electrolytes balance and liver function. It stimulates the liver to function as a filter. It also helps the joints and tendons stay in a youthful shape and aids 
in the distribution of hormones. And when there's a deficiency, body fluids don't function properly and digestion is poor. So you can experience hair and tooth loss, poor contraction along with um, impaired digestion. So note, chlorine in drinking water destroys vitamin E as well as many of the other intestinal fluorides that are in the body helping us with digestion. I hope you found this information uh, vital um, and essential because it is essential to our health. And here at Pampering Myself, we are all about educating and informing women on the importance of self-care. It is not only important to look good on the outside, taking care of our our nails, our hair, um, but it's also important for us to consider the inside. And these aren't things that are typically taught to us or that we are aware of, um, but it's something that we should now consider because we hold healthcare professionals accountable uh, for our health, but we have to take some responsibility ourselves. And at a minimum, just knowing some of the proper foods and things that we should um, be concerned with. They like, although there are 18 minerals, these are the most important. And just a change in diet and uh, an awareness will help us keep us uh, better and pamper us on the inside. So in our next episode, I'll be looking forward to sharing with you some of the most important vitamins. I didn't really start taking my vitamins seriously until I was in my uh, 50s. I took them off and on here and there. Uh, But they are important because as we get older, depending on your diet, uh, we're just not consuming the daily requirement, and they are there for a reason. In the absence of them, things will change. So we don't have to necessarily be afflicted with all the things that we say it's just a matter of getting old. I don't believe that to be true. And I think if we learn to take care of our bodies from a younger age, then we shall live a long and healthy life. And thank you for listening.